Welcome to another edition of the Engineering Leadership Podcast, where we bring together successful C-suite executives to explore their stories at the intersection of leadership and engineering. We believe leaders are built, not born. And by nailing the constants, we can build strong, engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Each interview was led by Doug Hawk, chemical engineer, business executive, and the creator of Engineering Leadership. I'm Ben Fanning. Let's get started. In today's episode, we have an interview with Charlie Blackwell-Thompson, who is the launch director for NASA's Exploration Ground Systems Program. She's the first female launch director at NASA and is leading the launch of Artemis, the mission to get back to the moon. Charlie obtained her bachelor's degree in computer engineering, and she chose a very appropriate topic, mission. Here's a three-bullet summary. Break your mission into smaller, achievable steps. Sometimes you'll have to change direction as part of your mission, and then a leader's communication skills play an important role in every successful mission. Enjoy the episode. Well, welcome. I'm Doug Hawk, your host for Engineering Leadership. Appreciate everybody joining us today for another episode. Uh, a very exciting one with us today. We have Charlie Blackwell Thompson joining us. She's the launch director for NASA's Exploration Ground Systems Program, and most importantly, the launch director for Mission Artemis, which is uh, going to take us back to the moon, which is something that uh, we're going to talk some about today, certainly in the course of exploring leadership as our topic. Um, so thanks so much for joining us, Charlie. And, you know, I wanted to just open, I normally ask like, well, you know, why'd you pick this constant in our framework? But uh, mission seems pretty core to what you're up to these days. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, I guess, you know, mission. And what I did want to explore starting out here was, you know, our premise is that um, in a typical engineering mindset, I mean, I'm a chemical engineer and just, you know, like most of us trained to sort of take big, complicated things, break them down into small digestible bites. And then, you know, through doing that and through that process, being able to accomplish, you know, seemingly impossible things at times. And you guys are in the business of the impossible. So I kind of want to just explore that to get us started and how that's played a key role in, in your success and, and and engineers in general, how we can apply that kind of thinking as we consider leadership positions in organizations. Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, and I think you said it exactly right. It, it's, it's in taking that big goal and then breaking it down into, into measurable and achievable steps. And so mission to me is really, is really important um, in, in, and something I feel really strongly about um, here at NASA, the mission is always right in front of you. And, and I think that's important for teams, regardless of what business you're in, regardless of what project you're working on. It's, it's having that, you know, having that mission in front of you. And the, and the reason is, is it allows you to align your work, align your priorities and align your team to, to this thing that to me, mission answers the question the, the big question of, you know, who are we? What are we about? In my case, where are we going? But but those those big um, those big questions. And then from that mission, then you know, you kind of step back and and you said it. It's it's like any other engineering problem that we learned about in school, right? It's just a little bit of a different twist on it where you take that mission 
And then you think about, okay, well, what are the goals? What are the things that support this? What are those objectives? What are those milestones? What are those specific steps? And then all of a sudden, what you find is you've gone from this, this, this big vision or this big mission to something that's very achievable and very measurable as you make your way toward that big goal. And so to me, you know, mission is is something that I'm passionate about. It's it's something that, um, you know, I think we can incorporate not only into our work lives, but into our personal lives. And uh, and so it's just something that I feel really strongly about. So I'm thrilled with the opportunity to talk about that a little bit this morning. That's uh, great. And I think, you know, from a, one of the ways that we, I mean, our premise is that, you know, leadership, we're trying to demystify leadership, particularly, and, and with this particular view from, the engineering mindset, because I think part of our mission is to you know, convince or help and support more engineers in considering leadership roles and thinking about their career perhaps differently. Um, certainly, I think, obviously, I want to talk about the impact that can have on young women with you today, too. I think, you know, I, I uh, we watched your 60 Minutes interview with the family and um, I had my daughter with me, which was really cool. And I told her I was going to talk to you and like five, she's 14. So, you know, for five minutes, dad was cool again um, because I got to talk to you. So it's, uh, you know, I just think inspiring young engineers of, of all backgrounds is, is certainly a key part of our, our mission here. Um, and core to that, though, is, is breaking down, you know, that mindset, believing that leadership can be taught, can be learned, um, that it can be a process and that it can be. Um, you know, our, our tagline, if you will, is you know, leaders are built, not born. And getting folks past that, past that sort of, you know, what I call that fixed mindset of, well, you know, you're either a born leader or you're not. And then, you know, our, our assertion is that couldn't be anything further from the truth. Right? And um, so just your thoughts on how important it is for engineers who are interested in leadership to sort of apply the same discipline, perhaps, that we've had in other areas of our development to the leadership topic and finding ways to, to, you know, take those first steps. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, to me, I, and, and it's probably, it's probably reflective of the time when I got my engineering degree, but, you know, I spent a lot of time in school and I would say even in early career, you know, learning the technical pieces of, of my job. But it wasn't until later that I began to to work on that leadership piece. And so I think it's great that we're putting emphasis on that. And as you said, you know, kind of applying the same types of lessons to develop in that capability as we do to develop in our technical capabilities as well. And I also agree that, you know, there are certainly folks that I have run into across the course of my career where it just seems that leadership comes natural to them. But there is a whole lot of us out there who have to go learn and hone that skill. And, uh, and so it is absolutely something that, that can be learned. It's something that you can improve upon over the, the course of your career. And, and it definitely improves with, with study and, and you know, being intentional about those things. You know, one of the things I always want to explore with folks is, is that sort of pivot point that what I call a leadership moment, right? Of um, Okay. We're, we're trained, you know, in many ways we're trained to, you know, 
focus on getting the answer, delivering the data, determining the outcome, right? And trying to, and I struggled with it a number of years, trying to pivot to, okay, I, I can't be running to get the answer. I need to be thinking about which questions to ask, right? And and sort of making that transition from a, a key contributor, um, key provider of you know the answer to how do I how I how do I step into these leadership roles? Was there a moment for you where you know, I know and and obviously you could it'd be a chance maybe to explain a little bit of how NASA works, right? With with you know, launch controllers and test directors and and sort of that whole progression. But what you know, one of the things I always I would like to just explore is where was, was there a moment in time where you're like, it sort of crystallized and the light went off and you're like, okay, I'm going to have to do things differently, approach things differently than I have as a engineer and make that sort of pivot mentally. into Yes, absolutely. I, I would say for me, you know, I spent the first probably, and, and, you know, you, you work your way up through different aspects. So, if I were to like read, so I hate to even give the number because then, you know, it's it's like you realize, wow, this is kind of old. <laughs> um, but I've been in the workforce for 30 years and uh, and I spent probably the first 15 years of my career working. You know, I've been working in launch in in launch ops um, for the most part of, of my career. And that's exactly where I want to be. So I'm really lucky in, in that way is that um, I had a moment that crystallized for me as a, as a young woman still in school at Clemson University when I came here to, and I'm coming to you this morning from the Launch Control Center. And, uh, and so when I came here as a, as a senior at Clemson, I walked into firing room one, which is, is just to my right here. And, and I knew as soon as I walked in that room, you know, I want to work here one day. I, I want to get me a seat in this room. And so I had that moment where there was no doubt for me. Um, I, yeah, I'd gone on other job interviews. I had done other things. But when I walked in that firing room, I knew I want to find I, I want I want to earn my way in. I want a seat in this room on launch day on one launch day down the road. So that was a moment for me, not necessarily in that leadership piece. But so I spent the first 15 years of my career and I was working in developing my technical skills. You know, I and I did earn myself a seat in that room a couple of years after I started. And I started out and I worked in software and I worked in software verification and, and validation. So I was testing software and then I worked on payload avionics systems that flew on the shuttle. And so, again, you're developing that that technical capability to go put together these systems test them out and make sure they're ready to go fly. And then I kind of expanded that, that technical knowledge to, to be um, the, the electrical integration pieces of payloads uh, that would fly on the shuttle and then how we integrated and tested them and sat in the, the launch control center for launch, ensuring that they were ready to go fly. And so for, for probably 10 or 15 years, you know, I was really focused on how do I develop my technical capability? And then how do I broaden that technical capability and kind of make it just as deep as maybe the thing I left behind? And so um, after about 15 years, I had an opportunity to move over into the, the test director office. And it was a different, um, different office. I mean, they are responsible for executing the launch countdown for the launch director. And, and so, you know, you're not necessarily 
the expert on this very specific thing, but you have to be able to look across, look across a big team of people for shuttle. That was about 200 plus people that are in the firing room on launch day. And, and it's to be able to look across all the work and to organize it, to understand the priorities, to um, to provide direction to the team on what those priorities might be, and and to influence and lead. And sometimes those are related and yet different, you know. But influence and lead this um, this diverse team. And uh, and so I think for me, when I became a uh, a NASA test director, there was a moment when I when I realized that the way in which I have done things in the past, which was always to, to go develop that very deep technical knowledge, is now I need a different, and I, I, need, I need some of that, but I also right. need a different skill set. Um, and so that was probably the moment for me when I realized that, you know, there's a leadership piece of this, there's a communication piece of this, there's a not being afraid to raise your hand and establish direction piece of this, that, you know, you got to go um, refine and work on. And and so that was probably for me when I realized that, that, you know, just as I've worked on those other things, now I need to go work on this leadership piece. Yeah. It's that, you know, what got me here is not going to get me there. Right. Moment. Right. Uh, I think it's so important for, you know, part of what we're trying to hopefully help folks with is to ponder those questions earlier, you know, and, and, and think about it as they're not that not that developing the expertise and the and being a killer contributor is is not the path to success because for engineers so often it is, but trying to sort of ask some of these broader questions as early as possible and to you know get folks to sort of raise their eyes to the horizon and say you know I still have to get done what I, what's in front of me, but it is you know I think under you know, spending a bit more time and we also and I think this where I'm headed with this a little bit is because mission is important this, important in this mix too, right? Is, okay, as, as a leader, you know, trying to get the whole organization understand context and understand, you know, all of the other moving parts and externalities without having any expertise in it, right? Because they have to, you know, they may not ever see that part of the sort of puzzle that's coming together to accomplish the mission. And the importance of trying to, know, be that, and we call it evangelize, right? Like be that prime communicator of, a, of the mission. Um, and how do you shape that into the different areas of expertise you're trying to influence, right? Like, like you said, you had 200 people in that room, all with different backgrounds, all with different experiences, all with vastly different areas of expertise, um, trying to bring them, not only were they, obviously they, they're in the room, so they know the they know the grand details of the mission, but trans, you know, as a leadership skill set to translate that into you know, a point of view that they can really get behind and totally align. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, in some ways, I probably have it easier than than maybe some, right? Because we have a really visible milestone called launch, and so when you, you when you have two hundred um, folks in the room back in shuttle, we're a little less than that for Artemis, but, but when you have a big team, you know, and you have this milestone called launch and we know when that launch window opens and we know we need to be ready, but, but in, 
even saying that, you know, so it's it's kind of easy to get the team aligned to that. But sometimes, as as you were describing, you know, you may have something, you may have a, you know, a very important piece of work that is not happening in the last 10 minutes of launch countdown. And so you might say, well, I'm doing this, you know, a day or two before. And, and you know, why is it so important that I get it done in this period of time, you know, but but when you're orchestrating all of the work towards something like launch, it a lot of the things do have to happen when they're planned to go happen. And that's not all that different from, you know, the work that you do or many others do where, you know, there's a cadence to it, there's an order to it, and it, and it needs to proceed that way. And so, you know, for me, I think it's really easy, well, maybe not really easy, but certainly a launch is a very visible milestone. Um, but I think that's where it's important that when you establish, okay, here's where we're going, right? We're going to launch and here's the day and here's the here's the minute that the launch window opens and we we are aligning to be ready for when that happens. But it's it's in looking at how all of the work, you know, funnels into it and fits into to, to meeting that point in time. And that's, that's important to kind of step back and, and understand those pieces and equally important, you know, I think in leadership is communication because it's an understanding how your piece fits and how, how important it is, right? Cause you know, I tell people all the time, there are no unimportant roles as we get ready for launch. Um, every role is important. Every job is important. Um, they may not all happen in the last 10 minutes of launch countdown, but it doesn't mean it's not just as important as all the things that came before. Right. Well, one of, you know, when you agreed to chat with us, I thought one of the really cool things about having you kind of take mission as a focus is, you know, for those of us that aren't you know, launch directors, um, it's such a, it's such a great example, right? Because part of what we're trying to accomplish as leaders is to, is to find that same clarity in situations that are far less defined, right? And it's, and that, um, so it's, but it, without providing the organization that sense of vision, clarity, um, alignment around a mission, um, it is, it's hard to drive performance. It's hard to get folks to commit. It's hard to get that, you know, we call that sort of incremental, engagement and effort that's not about it's not about what your job description is or what the requirements are it's about you know awareness of well yeah i'm here to do this specific thing but i get the bigger mission and there's 12 other ways i could help today and i'm going to lean in to those areas and do what i can i've bought into the mission i understand the importance of it and i want us to succeed as a team in achieving that mission um, so i think you know part of our message here today is you know, as you're thinking about your own organization, no matter what level you're at in it, is, you know, is your mission in your own organization, your own team, your community, your family, is it as clear as Charlie's mission to take us back to the moon, right? Like, and if, if it was, how powerful would that be, right, for your organization to, to be in that situation and how empowering it would be for your, for your folks at every level to work in a, in a place like that? To, or to serve in a place like that that has has that clarity of purpose and mission it makes makes decisions easier makes the outcomes a lot clearer um, and 
know, allows us to impart some excitement and, and sense of accomplishment, which is what gets everybody motivated. Yeah, I, well, I completely agree. And my daughter is uh, is a rower for her university. And sometimes when I, and unfortunately, we haven't been able to to go watch her row because of COVID, uh, you know, this year. But in years past, it, it to me, it was a demonstration of, I think, to me, part of mission. You know, when I watch uh, her team and many other teams like hers um, get ready to go, get ready to go row, to go get ready to go put the boat in the water, you know, they spend months, weeks and months ahead of time, ahead of the season, just like any sport, right, getting ready. But it's never lost on me as I watch them. You know, I'm reminded of the likeness to mission and kind of what what we do every day. I mean, they're methodical in their preparation. You know, when, you know, when they, how they pick the boat up, how they put it in the water, how they get in the boat, how they put their, you know, what they call hands on and how they how they begin to warm up. And and if, if when you watch a team that is really in sync rowing, right, everyone's pulling in the same rhythm. Um, and they seem to just glide. Now, I know I don't row, <laughs> but I have the greatest respect for the sport. Um, it looks effortless, right? I know it's not effortless. Um, I know they're working to make sure that they're in time, that they're, you know, the when when the oars come out of the water, that they're at the same angle, you know, because that makes a difference. But when you see all that working together, it just seems like, you know, they're 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 moving with agility and speed and grace and it, it just looks so easy. And I think about that with, and then when you see maybe a boat that's struggling a little bit where everybody's not rowing in time, right? They, they struggle with the course. They, they're not moving. And, and sometimes they're even working against each other, even though they're really well-intentioned and they're working hard and they're pulling hard, but it, they're not pulling together. And so I always think about, you know, when I'm watching how applicable that is to to mission, right? And so when you can establish that mission in whatever you're doing and you can align your team to kind of, you know, pull in time and the same cadence, um, it, it, it makes just such a huge difference in, you know, in your meeting of the milestones, in your agility, in getting there. Um, it, it It's just it's such a help and I hope it's not the right word. I'm struggling with the right word, but it, it really is critical. Um, I think as, as you move your teams forward. Well, and I think it's a, it's a great analogy and it, it does do and when you can achieve that alignment, it does make certain, it's not that there's not effort involved, but it does make it more effortless, right? Like, and, and when there's dissonance in the organization, when there's misalignment, everything is hard. Right. And, yeah. and and despite being hard, the outcome is off. And, you know, everyone can be working harder than they should have to and still not accomplishing a lot. Right. And it's so I, I think it's does. I do think it speaks to how important this is. I mean, one of the things I would ask is, you know, as as engineers and certainly for me personally, one of the hardest things about pivoting to leadership was, um, you know, I was a, I was a very shy kid. I was very. You know, I'm probably if I psychologically test out, I'd sure I would test as an introvert, um, you know, focused on love math, science, numbers, things. I love to build stuff. And for me, the, the pivot was, well, if I'm going to get to build companies, 
which is to me just another thing to build. It's still the same mental exercise and satisfaction. Having to com- you know, conquer this communication, you know, uh, I was terrified of public speaking, you know, all those things that you sort of have to overcome. And not everybody has to be that leader. You don't, you know, one of the things that we try to remind folks is you don't have to be the life of the party. You don't have to be the the at the front of the room all the time. It's not about the attention. It's never about the limelight. You don't want to be that kind of leader. Um, so sometimes engineering perspective that might come, you know, not the stereotype, but that often comes with our, with our profession, um, can be a big asset. I mean, is there, have you found that just sort of engaging in communications and you know, working on that area of, of your skills has, has, one, was it challenging for you? Where'd you kind of start on that spectrum? And then how has it served you as you've as you've driven home this, this mission? Yeah, so great question. Um, so I am, um, I'm an extrovert. Uh, so for me, I am, I am, and one of the, you know, one of the challenges for me in, in COVID times is when we first started working from home and was, um, was not seeing my team, right? I get energy from others. I get energy from people. And so that was a tough transition for me. Um, and so, I probably started out with um, it, as an extrovert, right, and and who loves to connect with people. But certainly, there are lots of things that, that I remember when I was at Clemson. One of our senior, one of our projects, our design team projects, and we had to present our findings. and uh, And I remember that was probably the first time that I had to stand up in front of a team, you know, with some of our professors in the audience and other members of the class and present. And, you know, that, that was uncomfortable. I mean, um, and, and now it's something that, you know, I do routinely and, and it's not uncomfortable. And so my message to folks that maybe that feels a little uncomfortable is sometimes you have to, you have to lean into that. You have to, yep. I call it flexing, right? We all have natural things as as individuals or as leaders that that are easy for us. And then we have things that are not um, that don't come as natural. But sometimes you have to flex into that. I mean, you, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And there's a couple of reasons to do that. The first is sometimes you find that even though it was uncomfortable in the beginning, that Maybe as time went on, it's not so uncomfortable. And and I'll I'll share um, a personal story. So I remember when I was really um, at the beginning of my career, and we were running a test on some software and and some limited hardware. And I had to put on a headset for the first time. And I put on my headset, and it was an old analog device back in the day. And so when you would talk in it, would kind of you know it would echo in your ear. A bit, and so you had to get used to that because as you would begin to talk, then you would stop because there's something in your, you know, and and so the first time I did that, I had probably been on the job maybe six or eight months, and I remember it was it was so uncomfortable for me, and I knew that you know our our communication system is. I mean, it, it's all over the, our center. I mean, people you know are are listening to that, and so I felt. Re- really uncomfortable with, I don't think I did a great job at that. It was a lot of stopping and starting. And I remember I took that headset off and I said to um, the individual that was assigned to mentor me, I said, well, I'm never doing that again. And then he laughed and he said, well, um, 
Yes, you are. <laughs> he said, that's part of our job. And, uh, and you just have to get used to it. But I remember that initial reaction was, well, I'm never doing that again. And, and now that is so funny to me because I wear a headset all the time and I don't have one on today doing this interview, but a lot of times I'll actually put it on even for things like this because, you know, the, you don't pick up as much noise or whatever, but it feels so natural to me to have that headset on um, and, and to talk over the communication loops. And it's something that I do regularly, but the first time I did it, I didn't like it so much. Um, And so I think it's important to, to, to flex and get out of your comfort zone. One, because sometimes you find that while you may not have initially thought it was something for you, you might find that it really is. And the other one is, is that anytime you're out of your comfort zone, it's an opportunity for growth. And so while it may not feel, you know, natural or great in the beginning, it usually is an area that you're adding to your tool bag or you're adding to your skill set. And so it, it just presents a great opportunity that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we, uh, we talked with Tony Mathis, who's the, uh, another Clemson engineer, CEO of GE Aviation. Um, he, he termed it yep, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and, yeah. and sort of, you know, recognizing that it's going to be uncomfortable. And part of your mission is to just do it enough, get the reps, where it becomes comfortable, in some cases, even unconscious. It's, you know, right. uh, yeah, it's almost like muscle memory. Yeah. Right. And if you can get to that stage, then, you know, it's, uh, it might take a weakness and turn it into a strength. Uh, I think, through. too, it's important to, you know, and I don't know if I realized this when I was young, when I was early in my career, but, you know, we're all a work in progress, right? I mean, you can be as accomplished um, I mean, I remember when I was young, you know, right out of school, maybe an entry level engineer, maybe, you know, two, three years in. And I used to to look at my leadership and and, you know, and I had great leadership and I thought, wow, you know, I, I hope one day I can be like them. Well, I still look at them that way and think, wow, I hope one day I can be like them. But, you know, you you. All of us are are a work in progress and, you know, you continue to grow like I don't at least that's how I feel for me is that, you know, I I continue to grow. I continue to try to to hone my leadership styles or, you know, there are things that I'm still working on, you know, and so it's um it's a it's an opportunity throughout your career. Well, I, I think that's a great point. It's also, you know, as a leader, critical to make sure your folks understand that as well. Right. I mean, I have actually this week, I had someone come to me for answers on two or three things. And I said, I have no idea. You know, like, I don't know, you know, um, we're all trying to figure it out. There's, there's, there is no, you know, Oracle in the sky with all the answers and, and, uh, you know, having the vulnerability and humility and authenticity and all those things um, that come with good leadership. I also think starts with recognizing that, all the work in progress and that commitment to lifelong learning and, and ongoing self-improvement, you know, is a commitment yeah. that particularly to be a, uh, in, in a leadership role, you have to make, right? Cause it's the minute you have it, figured, the minute you think you all have it figured out is right before the world decides to wallop you in the head and <laughs> remind you that you don't. <laughs> I think it's important too. I still do this. I, when I talk to young people, I encourage them because this is something I did not do when I went 
I would say early in my career, but with time, you know, because I think there are times when, you know, maybe you don't want to, maybe you don't want to say, or you have a reluctance to, to say, well, I don't know if I'm good at that, you know, I mean, and so, you know, one of the things that I encourage folks to do is if you see a characteristic in a leader and you think, wow, they're great at that, don't be afraid to ask them, hey, you know, I would really like to be better at this. And can you help me? Um, or you seem really good at that. Can you help me? You know, what are the steps that you took? Because more than likely, they worked on it, right? More than likely, they you know, read a book, went to a seminar, took a class, did self-study, talked to another leader, right? It More than likely, it wasn't something that, that they just had. It was something that they worked on. And my experience has been every time I've gone to someone and said, hey, you're really good at this thing, and I would like to be better at it. It has been such a welcoming, like, okay, well, I'll tell you what I did. And and I, I think that's an important message, Um for, for folks to know, you know, it, it is okay to, to, to seek out where you think someone does something well and ask them, how did you get good at that? No, I think asking and, and a good core leadership skill in and of itself, right. Of understanding how to ask for help, how to take the help, realizing you need help. And, and you know, that, that most will give it, you know, freely and, and, and with, excitement of their own. I mean, it's, you know, every mentorship, every mentor and mentee and mentor program I've been in, you know, folks always ask, I've set those up at every company I've, I've led and people say, well, you know, can you continue to make the time for that? And I'm like, and then, and then those I'm mentoring may say, thank you so much for the time. I'm like, no, thank you because you don't realize how much you get back right? Yep. and how much you I- learn as the mentor in the process. And it, it might be com- on subjects completely unrelated to what, you know, you were covering as a mentor, but um, time well spent. And I think the importance of seeking out mentors is certainly something that we encourage. Um, aside from key mentors, you mentioned books, resources, anything you'd love to share with the folks to, you know, that is particularly helpful in those areas or, you know, a book you just like to read over more than once or anything like that? Um well, you know, I'm a big, um, I'm a big team. I'm a big, big team person. And, and I think that I feel that way because I'm really blessed with, first off, an amazing team. And second off, I believe that, you know, I often describe launch as it's something that's, that's bigger than the sum of the individual efforts. And, and we, we only get there as a, as a team. So a lot of my favorite books are, are centered around teams. So I think the, I, I go to the advantage, uh, quite a bit. Um, I, I like that book. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great resource that talks about the people aspect of a team. Um, I'm, a, a I like, um, the five dysfunctions of a team. That's, that's a pretty good, uh, course I took a while back that I found a lot of benefit because it talks about, you know, the, the foundation of a team starts with trust and, um, talks about roles and responsibilities and being clear on those, clear on expectations, clear on accountability. And then at the top of that pyramid is the, is the results, um, you know, focused on the results. And, and so I, I find that that's really applicable to um, the, the work that I do. I found that book to be been really helpful. 
and and then there's a you know a bunch of books I'm trying to think um, that because I think another thing that you have to think about when you get into leadership too is how to manage change um, and because sometimes you know your goals change or sometimes you know your work changes altogether and and so I've had a couple of of really good reads on change management as well. And, and that's something I think that is, is very helpful. Great. Great. Uh, we'll include those in the show notes and, and uh, share those, those resources as well. Appreciate that. And pivoting a little bit here to, to your current mission, because I think, um, which I think is important for the whole world and the country and, and all of us, um, you know, for those that might not be as familiar with Artemis, could you share just a few minutes on that and how you think about impact of that mission on on young engineers? Like, you know, I grew up in the early days of the, of the space shuttle and came down to, you know, I forget what SDS it was, but it was three or four, one of those. And it was part of what launched me, you know, on a career of engineering. And, um, just tell us a little bit about what what should we expect as a, as a community and a country, and what's headed our way with this incredible mission back home. Absolutely, I would love to. So Artemis is all about the return to the moon, and it is a return to the moon for humanity. Um, you know, we are going to the moon this this time in a very sustainable way, and it is with commercial and international partners. So when we talk about going for humanity, it really is. You know, I talk a lot about and about this about America's space program. I'm really proud to be a part of America's space program. And when I say it's America's space program, it really is, right? There are parts and systems and elements that are made across our country. So on launch day, when 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 we have this vehicle, it's will be right out outside my window here, stacked, sitting at the pad, ready to go. On launch day for Artemis One, all of the states in our wonderful great nation are represented in the in the ground or on the flight systems. And so when we talk about America's rocket, when we talk about America's space program, it really truly is that. And so this belongs to all of you, first off. Um, in terms of Artemis and returning to the moon, it is to pave a way for you know other deep space destinations, deep space destinations like Mars for the next giant leap. And so to, you know, I look at when we back when we did Apollo, back when we did shovel with each of these great exploration programs, you know, it ushers in scientific discovery, it ushers in technology advancement. And right along with that is the inspiration of a new generation of explorers and scientists. And so I think there is a lot to look forward to as we prepare to send humans back to the moon, the first woman and the next man. And then just this year, um, we will get ready to launch our first mission, which is uncrewed. Um, It is a demonstration flight of the SLS rocket, which is the most powerful rocket that NASA has ever developed. Um, We will launch that rocket with the Orion spacecraft up on top, uh, upper stage, and then the Orion spacecraft up on top and uh, and demonstrate the performance of the rocket along with the performance of the Orion spacecraft as we fly around the moon and then return back to Earth in preparation for a crewed flight in about two years. So the next few years are gonna be terribly exciting 
as we get ready for um, Boots on the Moon. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that I think the whole the whole country should be um, watching for and engaged in because this rocket and this program belongs to you. That's a, that's a great way to think about it. And I think, you know, as much as we as leaders all try to get our own teams and companies aligned with mission, I think you can count on the fact that uh, we're all behind your mission and <laughs> success and, uh, and the potential for, for all of us to, in all those areas you mentioned. Um, and I know we're running up on time. I had, I had one other area I wanted to bring up with you, which is, um, and, it's, and it might be hard for you to envision this because of where you're at. Um, but one of, the, one of the other perspectives we're trying to get communicated, not only to our young engineering audience and engineers everywhere, but to the broader business community is the importance of having an engineer or a technical perspective in the, in the room in the leadership room, seat at the table. I mean, you've heard all the terminology. Um, any, any thoughts on that and how, you know, we wouldn't, you, you wouldn't see a leader, you know, an executive team of a major company or corporation or community for that matter that didn't have a, in most cases, an attorney, didn't have an accountant, didn't have a marketing and salesperson, didn't have an HR leader. Um, part of the perspective that, that I've come to appreciate is today's world where so much of our economy and our society has a technological underpinning of its success. Um, how important it is that engineers step into those kind of leadership roles and think about leadership as a duty that we all need to bring to our community as a way of enriching the perspectives around the table and, and deepening, you know, that appreciation for, you guys are well familiar with this, some, you know, things can go wrong and, what are the potential solutions and ways out of that? Having a technical thinker in the room as part of those leadership teams and the importance that. Oh, I think it's, I think it's tremendously important. Of course, I am an engineer, so, um, but I think it's important because there is not a field that you don't have to solve a problem. And so whether it's an engineering problem or a different kind of problem, um, you know, one of the things that engineering prepares you for and, and that you demonstrate throughout your career when you're working in that field is kind of how, when we started off, right? We have a problem um, and it is, how do you break that problem down into, you know, one, how do we go solve it? What are our options for solving it? Um, how do we go, I'm gonna use a, a NASA word, but how do we go troubleshoot that? You know, in other words, what's causing that problem? And, and so I believe that, you know, your teams when you have a, a problem solver or an engineer as part of that that team, it, it just helps to drive to drive you know good solutions. Just as you laid out, I mean, you know, there's when you think about executive teams and you think about well, there's probably a, a, a you know an attorney piece and an HR piece, and 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 you go through and you look at how do you create this diversity which is extremely important in all that we do is to have different strengths as part of your team and to have different areas where, you know, maybe if you've got some blind spots or maybe if you've got some areas where, um, you know, it, it's, it's in that collective strength that makes you good as an executive team is, is my belief. Now this is coming from an engineer, of course, but I think, 
you know, we all have to solve problems, whether they're engineering problems or other kinds of problems. And and engineers are really good at solving problems. Well, well, thank you for that, Charlie. And, and thank you for what you're doing for all of us. Thanks for being there to solve any of those problems facing Artemis and getting back to the moon. We're, we're confident you'll overcome them. Um, and uh, again, appreciate your time today. And there you have it, folks, from Charlie Blackwell-Thompson, the Clemson engineer, woman leading us back to the moon on Mission Artemis. Thanks, folks. Engineering Leadership is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping engineers enhance their leadership skills. You can download resources to accelerate your leadership skills by going to www.engineering-leadership.com.